Hi, I'm Pastor Torin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. I hope you enjoy this morning's service. In Paul's day, some of the things that were going on were seem quite comical to us today, but you've got to remember you're dealing with, with 10 and 15,000 Jewish raised people who were raised under the Jewish law, the Jewish dietary laws, and the Jewish laws of the Old Testament. And they're coming into Christianity and they're finding freedom. The problem is, is Christ did not set people free to get in bondage. And Christ did not set people free to get into trouble. And Christ did not set you free and me free so that we could force someone else to find excuses why not to come to Christ. I'm going to read some passages out of chapter 14 and chapter 15. Bear with me. I'm going to read through the whole thing first, and then I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about it. Romans chapter 14, verse 14. We'll start there. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Now think about that just for a minute, because didn't we just read last week that Paul said, let your love be without what? Do you remember? I'm the only one that remembers this. Without hypocrisy. Let your love be without hypocrisy. He says, listen, he says, if, yeah, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not, let your, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourselves before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For what, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Paul is dealing with, with dietary laws, but can I tell you, in today's day and age, it's a lot more than that. In fact, in this day and age, uh, I, I, can, I can tell you, growing up with, uh, in the Pentecostal church, Assembly God Church in Tennessee, uh, at that time, a lot of people were... Were, the, the Pentecostal holiness churches were small, and so they would, a lot of times people didn't want to have to drive 25, 30 miles to one Pentecostal holiness church. They'd come to Assembly God Church. The doctrines are basically the same, but there are differences when it came to things like, excuse me, things like, I don't know, the pastor wearing a suit on Sunday morning, or women not being able to wear their ha hair down but had to wear their hair up. 
there were a lot of issues that were dealt with. And, and, and the problem was we had this, this wonderful lady. Uh, I don't know if she's still alive or not. Her name was Sister Roberts. And she was just a wonderful woman. Mean as a rattlesnake, but wonderful woman of God. She just, she just had these issues. One day I remember uh, we had been out doing a car wash and we had to come into the church to get a drink of water. She happened to be there getting her car washed. And when she saw me run up to the piano to practice a song while I was taking a break and I was wearing shorts in the sanctuary, you would have thought the fire of God, of wrath and condemnation had fallen. And she came busting in with the sword of the Spirit. That's the Bible. Swinging it at me. And she chased me out of the church. I was 15. There was no malice in my heart towards her or God. I was taking a break. And yet she was chasing me out of the church with, with, with her Bible. And it was a with Pentecostal holiness people didn't carry a small Bible. It wasn't like this. I mean, it was thick. It was big, you know, family size. You know, you kill small squirrels with it. You know, that kind of a Bible, you know? You know? Some people, if you ever run out of run out of food, you could set this Bible up with a little spring trap, and it would kill any small creature. And you know, I'm telling you, the problem wasn't that she was she wasn't saved. She was saved. She she loved people. The problem was the holiness became her religion and not serving Jesus. On the opposite side of that is this, this friend of mine who who tends to have a problem with thinking there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. And yet everyone who sees him thinks of him as a hypocrite because he claims to be a preacher and preaches against drinking, and yet he drinks himself. Paul is dealing with these issues, and he says, listen, he says, you're going to find in your walk with God some people are more spiritually mature than others. It's true. Now listen, if you haven't heard anything over the past eight weeks, listen to this. Not everyone is on the same spiritual level as you. They're not. Some people come into the faith, and they are so new to God that every... It's, it's, like, it's like the first time I tasted pecan pie. You can tell I've had a few more since then, but... Uh, it's like the first time I tasted pecan pie. I, I was so nervous. I hate new foods. I hate foods that are mixed together, and I hate foods I can't identify. This is one of them sloppy pies, you know, somebody threw together and it came out of the pan and they've already tore into it with a couple of knives and it's, it's all getting sloppy and messy. And I'm thinking to myself, oh God, I can't. where does it start? Where does it stop? I don't know. And my wife looks at me, she smacks me on the back of the head like she should and, and said, listen, take a bite. So I stick my fork in and I go, eat it. You gonna finish that? You done with that? Is there only one pie? Really? There's only one pie? Who thought of that? Where's the other pie? These days I come home for family gatherings and they'll walk in and they make two desserts. They make one pecan pie for me and then something else for everybody else. My, my, my uncle found out I'm very protective of my pecan pie. He pretended that he was gonna come take a bite of mine and I nearly stabbed him with my fork. The reflex action. When you love pie, you understand. 
And, and so, so it, I had to have more. And, and, and everything seems so new and fresh. And new Christians are like that. When they come in, they want more and more and more. Sometimes we have to say, slow down before you get indigestion. Take it bit by bit. It, savor it a little bit. Enjoy it a little bit. Don't think just because you got saved on, mo- on Sunday means you're ready to start a ministry on Thursday. Can I, can I add a point to that too while I'm just standing on, on this corner? It's just, it's just, we as people in the church who've been here for a while can't expect new Christians just to pick up and start teaching Sunday school either. Sometimes we're so anxious to do things that the other churches are doing, sometimes we try to rush people into positions they're not ready for. Can I tell you, I'm at that point in my life when I'm, I'm, I'm about to step back and just say, listen, I love Sunday school. We've been trying to get Sunday school restarted back in this church for two, even three years. But you know what? I'm kind of at that point now where I'm going to say, okay, God, it's in your hands. When you bring me enough people, we'll go. We're ready. I'm ready. I've been ready for two years. But when we're ready, we'll go. But I'm not going to rush anybody into it. I'm not going to rush things. I'm not going to start a ministry I can't keep going. I'm not going to start something I'm going to have to stop midstream in. And and I want to tell you something. The problem we have in the church today is we expect everybody to be at the same spiritual maturity level. And we're not. And for that matter, let let me just, while I'm at it, say, I don't care. If you've been in the church 30 years, you may still be a spiritual infant, too. I know people, bless their heart, they've been raised in church, they've lived in church, they're probably going to die in church one day. You know? And everybody looks at them as a spiritual father, but the fact is, they've never gotten past, like, you know, six chapters in the Bible. They don't read, they don't pray, they've just been here longer than everybody else. I'm talking about spiritually mature people. And Paul is saying to the spiritually mature people, he says, listen, We've got some problems. I know you understand and your faith understands, but not everybody understands. So we're going to have to take a step back here for a minute and say, listen, in order for everybody to catch up, you're going to have to not act inappropriate. Now, Pastor, that's, that's all great and good, and, but we don't have a problem with meat anymore. Apparently, you don't have a problem with meat either, Pastor. So, so you know, because I love bacon. I beg them every day at camp, please put bacon on the menu. Please. You know what they told me? They told me, we'll fix it for you next week. But they did. They fixed bacon. But, but the point is, not everybody is at that same level. Paul recognizes this. And at his day, it was people who could eat meat, no matter what kind it was. No, because remember, how many of you remember the story of Peter? God lowered the sheet, said, don't call anything I've made clean unclean. Paul begins to realize, listen... You know what the problem with eating food sacrificed to idols is? The problem is there are no idols. It's just a block of wood. When you reach that point in your faith, when you realize it's just a block of wood, then you don't worry about eating it or not eating it because it's, it's, there's no God there. It's just, it's just a, a block of wood. So, but not everybody gets that. Not everybody got that in Paul's day either. And people were falling away because of the grace of God and misunderstanding it. And can I tell you, I don't think we do enough work explaining the grace of God to people today when they come into the church. Listen, the grace of God forgives you of your sins, and it helps you understand, but it's a process to go through, to learn through, a process to understand. Listen, do you realize that there are going to be times in your life where, when, when people are going to do things you think are strange? 
They're not wrong. They're just different. And you're going to have to research and try to understand it or ask questions. I think that's a great problem in the church today. No one asks questions anymore. When I was a kid, anytime somebody would stand up and give a message in tongues, after I got out from underneath the pew in which I was hiding, I would ask my dad, what was that? What was that? Promise today, we just go, oh, that's sister so-and-so, just forget it. Instead of realizing and learning and growing, we've got to understand some people are not on the, don't have the same convictions we do. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Can I tell you, there's a difference between personal convictions and the law of God. Amen. It's good preaching, Pastor. Many people have personal convictions about what to wear to church, what not to wear to church, what, how, to, how to wear their hair, how not to wear their hair. Can I tell you, those, the Bible says real quickly on those things, God looks on the heart, not on the outward appearance. But it would be nice from time to time if, if people would, you know, to dress modest in church. I know people that don't have, don't know, and when they do know, then they change. I've never had a person come to church and that, that had to be, uh, that, that was unsaved, that didn't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and the next time it came, the church fixed it. You know, the Bible says we're not to judge the unbeliever. God does that. We're to more look at ourselves and help each other out. But, but we've got to get to that point where we say there's a separation between what sin is and what personal convictions are. And remind ourselves that when it comes to personal convictions, you may not have a problem with this, but that doesn't mean that someone else doesn't have a problem with this. So what do you do, Pastor? Well, a couple of things you do, but the first thing you do is learn not to be selfish. Listen to, what, listen to what Paul says. He says, listen, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you no longer walk in love. Well, well it says, and listen, he says, and it says, so therefore don't let your good be spoken of as evil. Some people, the, the freedom God gives them, other people think it's sin. Some, sometimes we've got to be more clear about how we live our lives in, in front of other people. To as the point where everyone sees that what we do honors and glorifies God. Now, on the other hand, let's also not go to the far extreme and say, well, I'm just going to start having a grudge against Pastor for all these things he does so that he see, you're, you're, you're not loving your neighbor, Pastor. You know, no, that's not how that works either. But there has to be some compassion in the understanding that we say, listen, when it comes to personal convictions in our lives, no matter where we feel it's a problem for us or not, we have to start looking out for each other. You know, I, I, I used to work with a guy who you could not take to a restaurant that had a bar in it. So he was a recovering alcoholic. And every time I'd be thinking about all the wonderful food we could have, and we could just go into that restaurant, I was reminded of the fact that I can't take him there. I mean, why else would I want to put somebody in the, in the path of temptation? And as mature Christians, I don't know where you stand, but let me just address mature Christians for just a minute. I think the problem that the world has with the church today is we are, we are falling short of putting forth a better example of, self, of selflessness. Not selfishness, selflessness. 
You know, the Bible said Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And if Jesus is really my role model, then my obligation should be more to try to serve the people than to try to serve myself. Now, there are times I need off, times I need rest and relaxation, times I need to, to take care of myself, but, but the reality is that I did not accept the calling on my life to serve God's people and to serve God so that I could, be, so I could get stuff for it. So that I could be recognized for it. I know, I know so many people in the church, they get all mad when they're never recognized. And I think to myself, uh, if you're doing it to be recognized, uh, do something else. That's not what we do things for. A servant, servant doesn't go up to his master later and go, Hey, it's like the way I wash them dishes. Why don't you tell all them guests in there who washed the dishes? That's right. I did. Hey, I washed the dishes. Yeah, look how clean they are. Hey, they look good. Oh, that master looked at that servant and said, Get back in the kitchen and wash some more. Besides, the real reward we're looking for is not reward from each other. The real reward we're looking for is the day we see Jesus. I think that's the goal. But to get there and to get as many people there as we can, we're going to have to start realizing that we need to be more mature in our faith. We need to get to a point where we say, listen, if something I'm doing on a daily basis bothers people, I need to stop. Well, pastor, you need to practice what you preach. I have all week. And it's been killing me. Killing me. The whole way home from camp, I drove the speed limit. Don't clap. That's not funny. Whole way home from camp, drove the speed limit. I know why you're laughing. Probably the people at TV who watch me long enough, they know why. You're laughing. The reality is, that's pretty sad. But I felt something in my heart as I was preparing to preach this. That I'm not a good pastor to you if I can't practice what I preach. And there are things in my life that people say, oh, well, he's just doing that. He's, 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 he's telling us to do one thing and not do another. Listen, we're not going to get people to see Jesus in us if all they see is hypocrisy in us. We're not going to get people to see Jesus in us if all they see is us uh, telling them you can't do that and then we do it over on the side. Never forget the old saying, do as I say, not as I do. You ever, you ever heard that before? My granddaddy's favorite saying, I think. Point rings true, though. We live in a world that, and we actually live in a church community that needs people to draw a line in the sand and say, listen, if this way of living is going to hurt people and not bring people in, uh, then I need to stop it. And it goes beyond just what we eat or what we drink. Sometimes it may go to our actions and our responses. Can I tell you, one of the key scriptures in the Bible is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Says, uh, you know, it talks about renewing your mind, and some of us have not let God renew our mind in 40 years. When we see people, we, treat, we, say, we say the same thing to them every time. We act the same way around them every time. 
And we've got to change. Listen, sometimes what we think we're doing is good. We think uh, by correcting someone we're doing good. He says, listen, don't let somebody call what you're doing good. Be called evil. Look, it's up to us to try to make sure that the works of God are not destroyed by our foolish actions. When God's really doing something in someone's life, we shouldn't uh, be the barrier that keeps them from finding Jesus Christ and finding freedom in Christ. Look, Paul is, is desperately saying, listen, you know that, whole, that, that verse Jesus said? He, he tells a story like this. He said, if someone asks for your coat, give them your cloak. He said, if somebody asks you to go to mile, go two. You know, looking at that, we're like, ah, I don't even like walking across the parking lot. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, sometimes if you want to see people find Jesus, you're going to have to go an extra step that you don't want to go to. You have to do things more than what's required of you. Because let me tell you something. If you try to live your life, the minimum do. How many ever? Uh, I'm not, no, I better not ask that. I was about to throw myself under the bus. When I, when I, have a, when I get a credit card statement in the mail in the, in the month, actually they're emailed to me now, but when I get an email, there's, there's a space on there that says minimum balance due. You ever seen that before? Minimum balance due. Did you know some Christians live their entire Christian life doing the very bare minimum for God? And I worry about those people. I worry they're going to get into heaven. For the people that think they can do the bare minimum and be okay and God's okay with that, I'm going to tell you, God's not okay with that. I, we, I serve a God that says, I want your whole heart. Not the bare minimum. I want your whole heart. Now, when God has your whole heart, then you're not so worried about having to dress a different way around somebody because they're offended by that. Here's one, a real practical thing. I have a friend of mine who when we're around his mother, he wears a long sleeve shirt. You know why? Because he's covered in tattoos. Now, he doesn't have to do that. He chooses to do that. Why? Because he wants to honor his mother. He, he wants to do what he feels is right. To show her that he's He's changed. Sometimes we have to take the bigger, be the bigger person, not larger, but bigger person, and say, listen, if the way I say this hurts your feelings, then I'll stop doing it. Listen, if you can't tell a joke around a person because they have no sense of humor that you're aware of, don't tell a joke. If, it, if people bothered by, by, the, by the things you eat because they're greasy and, and deep fried or deep, deep fried and, and, and they, they're vegetarians and all they eat is lettuce and carrots and, and, and other rabbit type food, then, then by all means, please, when they come over, don't cook, you know, like fried foods. And by all means, when we're dealing with new Christians, people who are new to the faith, who want the very best, uh, and want all God has for them, please stop being a stumbling block for people. Sometimes I think we really need to reevaluate ourselves and say, listen, what am I doing that's causing people to stumble? 
What can I change that might tell somebody, listen, I want to live right. God, help me to live right and help me to see the things that are causing other people to not like you because of me. I, I'll close with this. I know of a, of a certain situation um, back in, very far back when we used to live in Memphis of a husband who never came to Christ because of his wife's attitude towards him. She was a Christian, a believer. She loved the Lord, but she rubbed it in his face all the time. Eventually, she repented of that. And the very next Sunday, he came to church. Two weeks later, after coming to church three Sundays in a row, he gave his heart to Christ. Now they're both living for God. What happened, Pastor? Well, a very practical thing based on this scripture. Lord, I don't want to be a stumbling block to the world. And I have to take account every now and then. Are there things in my life I need to remove? They're not sin to you, but they're things that need to be removed so that others can find freedom in Christ Jesus. Pastor, I have no idea what you said today. You will. The, the, the issue is that you're, you're, you're thinking it doesn't apply to you. Let me, let, me, let me be real clear. It applies to everybody. It applies to everybody. I, I used to think and pray, God, please don't let people not come to church because of me. Because of my issues, things in my life, quirks I have, comments I make. You don't realize how much that affects some people. And I think the reality is, the more and more I get mature in my faith, the more and more I, I see the things I need to remove in order so others can find Christ. All of us, all of us, have the potential to be a stumbling block to somebody to find Christ. And all of us need to pray consistently, Lord, if I really love my neighbor. Or here's one, Lord, if I really love my spouse. Lord, if I really love my family then God, remove from me the things that keep my family from finding you so that we all can find you together. Now, it may come later on that, that, that all of a sudden the person that, that you stop telling jokes to finds a sense of humor. It's possible. And all of a sudden they get the jokes you used to tell. If they weren't bad, they just don't get them. They get it now. Well, then it's Okay. I think the idea has to come from, Lord, how can I step out of the way so others can see you? What can I change in my life to make you more real to them? Because if I really love, if I really want other people to find you, the law of love says, not me, but you. Listen to me, the law of love says, it's not about what I want. It's about what's best for you. And, and, and that, that's what love is all about. Love says, I love you enough to step out of the way and remove the things you don't like so that you can find Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us today, but you really should visit in person. Service times are at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday night, 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road. It's on Highway 5 across from Everdeen in Bells Falls. You can also visit our website, www faithchristianag.com God bless you. Have a great day.